With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. Little West Bromwich Albion nil, Aston Villa three. This is the Purity post-match point. I'm joined by two podcasters in their own right. I'm joined by Omar from the Villa Talks podcast and Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And chaps, last thing you want to do is be coming on at at 9.20 and and talking about Aston Villa struggling against West Brom. But we got the job done quite comfortably in the end, so we don't have to do that. Omar, come to you first. How did you find it? Yeah, I mean, well as comfortable as you can get really um i thought we were pretty dominant from the first minute on in fact probably them going to ten, down to 10 men probably made it a bit harder for us to uh, break them down because obviously well, especially the second half they, they tried to sit back a little bit and uh, tried to defend with sort of two banks of four uh, but i mean you got a little bit worried second half definitely when yeah. especially when the watkins goal didn't you know was chalked off offside a ridiculous decision i know it's probably technically offside but i didn't even know if they're drawing the lines properly anymore to be honest i can't I can't tell. I, I don't get it anymore. But after that goal didn't go in, then they got a bit of... Uh, well, I say they got a bit of urgency back in their game, West Brom, but they didn't really do anything. And then, you know, we were just professional. I don't think... I, I mean, I, I think Villa fans were more worried about, you know, f- from that from then on in, in terms of them coming back into the game than the actual team were. I think they were always pretty confident that they'll get the second and, and then obviously got the third as well. So, delighted, mate. Absolutely delighted. I, I, I mean, after a disappointment of not winning against Burnley and everyone talking about end product. Well, it was there to see. And, and I'm really, really happy for Anwar Ghazi and Troy as well, because, you know, they yeah, work so good. hard. They work so hard against Burnley. And, and I thought, you know, we played really well in terms of performances. You know, you can't really fault them. Uh, for them to be in drop this game would have been harsh, I think. So I was glad they, they started. And I'm just really, really happy for them that they managed to get a goal. And Anwar Ghazi absolutely loves scoring against the baggies, doesn't he? Yeah, I was about to say, Neil, that the Hawthorne seems to be Anwar Al-Ghazi's playground and he's done it again. Another couple of goals. I think he got two goals last time, didn't he? So that's that every time he visits the Hawthorns, mate, he gets two goals. 
Yeah, look, he's he's look. I say I, I I've been I've been hot and cold on Almar as he not to the level that some people on Twitter have been with regards to to, to performances, but the man just like he did something today in the first two or three minutes, and this this is kind of encapsulated Almar Gazi. Once his confidence is up, he's exactly the player we want him to be. And once his confidence is down, he's not. And look, we've all suffered from that when we've played sport before. It's, it's nothing new. And sometimes we expect uh, professional footballers to be superheroes in that aspect from, from a mentality point of view. Got that early goal. He was brave enough to go in against Johnson that way and uh, got that goal. And and he flourished from there. And I thought he was very, very comfortable with the ball. He took eight shots again today. That's, that seems to be his number. That seems to be his lucky number. But uh, took eight shots against, again today. And... Um, you know, look, he, he took a beautiful penalty at the end of the game there as well. And that's what I mean. The confidence to put the ball in the back of the net at the start. And then at the end, he was just like, he was just sweating confidence and testosterone at that stage. You know, he was never going to miss that ball. So that penalty, so fair play to him. And, and on the Troy piece, Troy was my man of match. Uh, I thought good. he was fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Look, he is, he is what he is. He's really left-footed. That's not really a negative. But he, his goal was, if I scored that goal in a five-side, I would never shut up about scoring that goal. It was ridiculous. It was sensual, is what I would call it. He just passed it in the back of the net. <laughs> what a goal. What a goal. It, uh, that's... Yeah, just, I, th- I, think, I think Johnston's still sitting down, isn't he, after that goal? <laughs> I don't think he got up after that. Mate, you've got to feel a bit sorry for Sam Johnson, to be fair, because I, th- I thought he had a decent game. He, he just a mm. bit a busy night for him. But, I, I mean, did West Brom have a shot, Omar? I genuinely can't remember if they had a shot or not. I can't they, I can't picture one in my mind. They had they had the free kick, which was comfortably saved. Yeah. Martinez. They got, uh, I, I looked at the XG rating, actually, um, if you're into that. Not that I'm massively a, oh, a big don't fan. Mind, but, don't mind a bit. bit of mind. But, yeah, um, 0.02 XG West Brom had. <laughs> That's got to be one of the lowest in history, oh, sure. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I even think, even if they didn't lose a man, I, I think we were so dominant those first however many minutes before Livermore got sent off. I, yeah. I was, it was just only going one way for me from the beginning. You know, it was just all about whether... It was a bit like Burnley game, I suppose, in that mm. if we, because we scored that, that goal early on, then I was pretty comfortable. But, you know, it was all about us. Uh, and it was all on us, whether, whether we were going to win that game or not. It was all to do with us, whether we make a mistake at the back or we finish our chances, it was all to do with us. And the fact that they had like a man sent off, like I said, you know, it it made things a little bit harder for us because they defended a bit deeper. But I think the players were always pretty confident that we're going to get a second. So West Brom were hardly in the game, hardly in the game. Yeah, I mean, Neil, I think Omar makes a good point. I think if we score early, early against Burnley on Thursday... That game probably goes a similar way to tonight. We we just didn't get that early goal on Thursday, and and tonight we did, and, and we're just very very comfortable, weren't we? A hundred percent, absolutely agree. It not only set, I suppose, the the West Brom's. It almost sunk West Brom players' hearts. You could see it. They were coming into this devoid of creativity with Matthias Pereira out with a red card. Um, yes, they had Keelan Grant up front on his own, but you know Matt Phillips is there on one side, and and Dean was on the other side, and they were so like the three the three pairs were miles away from each other because the two Phillips and Dean Gana literally hugged the touchlines, and Keelan Grant was stood up alongside. You know, say what you like, but Courtney House as well. Courtney House, I'm the treasurer, the secretary, the chairman. I'm collecting all the tickets and I'm, you know, of the Courtney House fan club. I really am. I, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but, you know, he's he's as solid as you're going to get for a third, for a third centre half. Um, 
but but to answer your question on that, yes, it, it's early goals sunk their battleship really early because they wanted to come and be dogged and catch us on the break. With our early goal, our tails got tails were up. All we had to do was pass the ball around and we had to wear them down. Now, I thought that Connor Gallagher in middle midfield for them was, I thought uh, his, his positioning is super, he's fantastic. Like, he was definitely our best player, I thought. But there was only so much he could do. And, and about the 75th minute, I think I texted you guys, I said, I want him on my shopping list. I think he's fantastic. But on about the 75th minute, he just ran out of steam because he was marshalling that whole midfield on his own after Livermore gets sent off. And, uh, you know, I, I was always confident we were going to get a goal, if not two. And uh, look, we finished out, we ran out three nil winners right for our goal difference coming towards uh, a busy Christmas period. Yeah, I mean, I think that the 10 men, I don't think it made much difference to the game because I think West Brom had set out their stall as is. And I actually think the game would have gone a similar way if they'd have had 11 men. I think we can all probably agree, Omar, that the, the sending off of Livermore was justified. I think it was yeah. a reckless challenge. Were we a little bit fortunate? Not because I think it was a red card, but because the referee had a, had a really good chance to even things up quite quickly with Courtney Horse. On another day, another ref might have decided that that was a red or another VAR official. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was going to send him off. I'll be honest. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I thought he was going to. As soon as it, as soon as I saw it back, I thought, oh god, here we go, because everything in slow mo looks looks worse than it is. Yeah. And, and actually, I actually thought the opposite for Livermore. I thought he actually looked a little bit better than it than it initially did. Because I, I yeah, thought it was, it was a bad in real time. Because you could see Livermore, he saw Grealish and he went for him. Like he, he went high. It was almost like a kung fu kick to the shin. And he was lucky he didn't catch him properly because that could have been a really nasty one. So he deserved red card. But House definitely, I thought he'd be go. But I think the only thing that saved him was probably intent. So he didn't he didn't really have an intent to hurt the opposition player. He just sort of missed time to tackle and almost sort of stood on his ankle slash top of his foot. So I think he got a benefit of the doubt a little bit. But yeah, he was lucky and you know, maybe at that point, maybe Dean Smith was thinking, actually, you know, we've got to be a bit careful here because you don't want, you know, it's, it's very, very easy for a referee to try and even things out. It's almost like a subconscious trait that referees have. We see it game in, game out, where if a player gets sent off and, you know, as soon as you give them a, a chance to even things out, they, they sort of take that chance. So I was I was pretty surprised it didn't go against us. But even then, I think 10 versus 10, I wouldn't have been that concerned. Uh, I suppose the only negative thing really now is, is Tyrone Mings' yellow card, um, which was... I mean, I can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to stop the quick free kick and he's trying to kick the ball and the player sort of puts his foot out and obviously goes down a bit theatrically. But you can see why the referee's giving him the other card. But now, obviously, he misses the next next match, which is uh, unfortunate. But I suppose it's better for him to miss Palace match rather than the uh, Chelsea match, I suppose, from our perspective. Yeah, it's quite instinctive, isn't it? Things like that. You sometimes are not in control of your own body and it's just a natural reaction for Mings to do what he's done. But it'd be a big loss against Palace. Will, ben, no, will Benteco be back for them? I can't is it a one match, yeah, yeah. three match. But yeah, you got two yellows, yeah. yeah. But I'd argue, actually, Benteco is the kind of opponent that Hawes would deal with quite well, playing on the left-hand yeah. side of centre-back with Engels coming in. I suspect now if Conser's not back because Hawes is very good aerially. He wins nearly every header. So actually, Benteco might be more of an ideal opponent for Courtney Hawes. Do West Brom have any reason to feel aggrieved at all with, with the two decisions in your eyes, Neil? Um, I got to be honest with you, and I say I don't know because uh, initial, like as, as Omar said there, everything that's the slow down, it kind of begins to start making more sense if you've got an, if you've got a fixed opinion beforehand, it begins to make more sense when you, when you slow it down. Um, 
I, I think Courtney Hawes was high. It was high. Uh, I would have been annoyed if he was sent off. I could understand why he was sent off. Livermore, I, I texted to you guys. I said, I don't think it's a red. And then when I saw that he had a kind of a stamping, stabbing motion with his foot, I said, well, maybe, look, that was, that's probably red. But once again, I would have never seen that in, in, in real time. Um, yeah, yes and no, I think is I'm going to sit in the fence with it because uh, we've been on the on the end of VAR decisions that I personally didn't agree with. Now we've also, you know, been on the end of decision tonight with the, with the offside goal for for Watkins that I I, I myself staggered and I can't believe they only spent 15 to 20 seconds looking at the offside decision and then decided they had enough to see. Uh, look, it's it's a flawed system VAR. Um, whether they get the right decisions or not is still human. It's still a, 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 a situation where it's, it's still a human intervention. It's still almost human error. Um, so it's not taking out the thing it should be taking out, which is human error. And yeah. uh, I'm sure I'm sure Brown will be aggrieved about it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I find it very difficult to feel sorry for anybody being aggrieved for VAR at the moment because every team is getting hit just as badly as every other team, I think. It does feel like we're getting worse, but I think I think you are right. I think I think every team is is getting it equally at, at the moment. So I think we all probably went in at half time quite happy. It would have been nice to have got the second goal and, and put the game to bed at half time, but we, but we didn't do that. And then to be honest, picked up the second half where we left off, just just in complete control. But we just couldn't get that second goal early, could we, Omar? No, that's, I mean, I thought we we actually started the second half really well. And for the first maybe 15, 20 minutes, we were it looked like it, you know, we were saying it looked like a matter of time before we scored. Um, you know, we were. I thought it was it was a really good tactic to get Grealish back, sort of playing solely on the left because we were targeting El Ghazi. They were sort of doubling up and getting a lot of joy down the left. And uh, you know we still we still tried on the right hand side a little bit, but mainly all of our threat was coming from the left, and it was working. And Watkins was sort of coming across, making those runs, and it was just sort of that final ball, that final touch, just wasn't quite happening. But you thought actually, you know, this is happening. This is going to happen. The goal is going to happen. And then. Slowly as it went on, the second half went on. You thought, actually, you know, you get you get a little bit worried. But like I said, I think the players were pretty confident. I think when that goal, like I said, didn't go in, then you start to get worried. But you know, I think I mean this 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 team is just a, such a different team to last year. And and to be honest, any team that we've had before in terms of mentality. Um, and I think we we I think we as Villa fans underestimate that massively because this team is just so full of confidence, so full of flair. So full of resilience, everything you need to be a really competent and good Premier League team that, you know, they, they can only go from strength to strength. And the only thing that was going to be obviously stop us or make it hard for us is lack of squad depth. But even then, you know, the last two games, I know we didn't get the result against Burnley that we wanted, but we've seen we've seen the sort of performance levels that that these players can put in if they've got a bit of confidence, in, uh, you know, in them. And, and Truro today, I think, like Neil said, I, for me as well, definitely man of the match and that finish, you know, just... Summed it up, and I thought, you know, he's a kind of player you think he's going to be. I think someone I was talking to someone else said he's a bit eccentric, and he is a bit like that, a bit like Paolo Wanchop or someone like that, where he's sort of got this unorthodox running style, unorthodox yeah. way of way of playing. But I thought today he was actually really efficient with the ball. Like he made the right decision time after time. He didn't try and do too much. He came inside when it was the right time to come inside. He it was basically it was the the right hand version of Jack in terms of how he how Jack plays normally. Uh, in terms of over and, and him and Cash as well, for the first time really all season, we've seen them interact and play together well as a unit, um, and it worked really well. And we we look we look good both sides. And then towards the end of the second half, then obviously Jack came across to the right hand side and with McGinn as well. And then again they had some joy down the right hand side, and that's where we got the uh, got, well, that's how we got a bit of joy, and he scored a couple of times as well. 
Yeah, before we did get get that goal, obviously we had we had the goal disallowed from Watkins. I mean, what he's done to VAR, the, the VAR officials seem to absolutely hate him, hate him nearly. Just he can't seem to get a goal at the moment, but he's had two. I want to say I don't want to say perfectly good goals because obviously at the end of the day he was he was offside for both, but he's had two wiped out in recent times, and it's it's just not quite going for him at the moment, is it? No, and uh, it's almost as if. He's the, he's a throwback player in, in a lot of ways, the way he likes to lead. And he's off the shoulder player. And, and, and realistically, this year, probably more than any, anything else, uh, that off the shoulder striker is is almost eradicated from the game because he was in a lot of space. But it's, you know, if, he, if, he's, if he's two foot or if he's a foot back further, does the ball come across at the same pace? Does the ball, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables with regards to that. It's it's minuscule, like it really is minuscule how how far he's offside there, and it's uh yeah it's it's, it's tough for him because you know there will be questions and you'll see it all over social media and you'll start to see it if he doesn't score in the next game or two, uh, start to see see people question him saying well he scored two against this team he scored a hat trick against Liverpool and really you know if you take those two games out of it has he been worth the, the money. And we all know he has. His hold-up play is very good. He's the runs he makes into the back. That back post are special, and it, it's it's just about uh, you know it it. I suppose people will look at his distribution, at the distribution of his goals and where they've come from, and maybe use it as a negative against him. When I think that's very unfair for somebody who's like playing in the strike position for twelve to to fourteen months, really, in, in his career. And and you know, I'm still very happy with him. One thing I will say is. When you look at all at at his overall contribution to play as well, another thing, and and I would be pretty big in statistics. I like to look at them, um, and, and to be honest with you, sometimes I like to look at them from an area of where somebody is going to try and hammer this person on it. He only had twenty four um twenty four passes today and forty touches of the ball. When you equate that with somebody like even Cash and Target, and I know they're big outlets for us. They had eighty six touches uh, for Cash and eighty nine touches for Target, and Jack Grealish had ninety six. You know, people will start asking questions about, well, is he not getting involved in the game enough? And I don't think that's his, that's not his game because, as I said, he's not the shoulder striker. He's there to be that fox in the box. And it'll come good for him, I think, at some stage. But at the moment, he's just on a dour run of luck with regards to maybe just being over-eager. Hmm. If you could even call it over-eager, because at the end of the day, how's he to know he's offside? Um and I, I, th- I think things will come good for him. I really do. And I, I think we'll see, we'll see maybe upwards of 15 goals for him this season um, because he, he's, he's got the striker's instinct and, you know, that's half the battle when you see that. Um, people will, rightly or wrongly, they'll, they'll, they'll say stuff about those stats about him only scoring from open play in two games. But this time last year, I can't remember how many goals exactly he was on, maybe five, fourthly. But it was another a case of another striker who wasn't really scoring in many games. So... What is it about Villa strikers and what is it about the way we play that we don't have a striker scoring consistently across games? At least now we have got other players chipping in with goals, whereas we probably didn't last season. But but what is it about being a forward for Villa that we can't seem to to get that prolific goal scorer? Well, I think this was the criticism, like you said, levelled at Wesley last year. And, and I, I always defended Wesley for the same very same reason I'm going to defend Watkins, isn't that? There is a way that we play in terms of using our striker in that, that we use the striker to stretch the defence. Now Wesley probably wasn't the wasn't the right type of striker to do that last year, and that was maybe a mistake. He's a he's a different type of striker, more of a link striker. But I think Watkins, what you saw today, that first goal, you know, he wins that header for that for that knockdown to Traore. There's no way he should be winning that header as well, and yeah. he wins it. 
Uh, and there's no way we score a goal without without that. And people will forget that because yeah. it's all about Trevor crossing our guards. He's finished. But without that, you know, they, they don't score. And I think what Watkins does, and, and and this is the way that Smith wants to play. You know, he's always said he wants to share goals across across the team. Without Watkins, we don't stretch defenses. We don't we don't create space for the midfield. You know, there's a lot of times where yeah. Watkins will move defenders around, will make make that run down the right, down the left, but in behind winnable how many times have we seen Watkins you know he's what five foot eleven maybe six foot a max mm-hmm. and he's and he's coming up against six foot four six foot five guys and he's winning every ball he's holding it up he's such a good footballer he's such he's got such good control you know that you and what we're doing really if you if you watch the games back we are we are hammering the ball at his head most of the time <laughs> you know we are hammering the ball at his head and chest and he's winning it and he's controlling it and that's not an easy thing to do we used to do that to Wesley last year and it was tough for him. Don't get me wrong. And and some games, you know, he wasn't at it. But at the same time, people were hammering him. But you know, it, I think Wesley. I think what you've seen with Watkins is is almost, you know, why you should have been a, why fans should have been less harsh on Wesley in that it's a very difficult job for a striker to play up front for Villa because, you know, how many times did Mings play a ball up front, you know, long and and it's not aimless balls. You know, they're they're aiming to for him to knock it down and get it because they think he can do it. And then you know he stretched the defence and suddenly you've got Jack. You've got McGinn, you've got Troy, Al Ghazi. You know they've got loads of space because as soon as that ball gets knocked down, you know it's four versus four or four versus five, and they've got lots of space to to run into and make something happen. And it's such an important part of our team that, you know, if, and, and let's be honest, with the West Ham goal and today's goal, really, you know, one of those, well, at least one of those should have been should have counted, I think, especially the West Ham one. Then you know his 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 distribution of goals is pretty pretty standard for most Premier League players. Um, there's not many players who score every go- every a goal every game. They'll normally score in bunches. It's the way strikers are. Benteke for us was the same, exactly the same. He'd score all his goals in four or five games and then go on a barren spell and then score another three or four goals in, in two or three games. Yeah. And that's, that's the way it works. That's the way strikers work. So I'm not I'm not too I'm not too uh, downbeat on Watkins. In fact, I'm, I'm complete opposite. I think he's been a fantastic. And there's no way we do as well as we are doing this season without someone like Watkins. Hundred percent. Yeah, and he, he occupies defenders as well, which, as you say, is, is a massive part of, of being a striker in the modern game. I think in our WhatsApp group, after that goal got disallowed, there was a bit of trepidation in the in the WhatsApp group, just because yeah. of the way the game had gone, they'd done nothing. It yeah. was 1-0. People like Ivanovic were coming on. It was, it was set out for them to just get a dodgy set piece, nick a goal, and we've chucked away the points. But it didn't happen because we had Dirty Berta on the right-hand side there, Luke, who cut inside and rolled it in, in the corner to seal the game. And he deserved a goal. And actually, I've got to be honest, I've not seen what everyone's problems have been with him on, on yeah. social media before this game. I think he's been pretty good every time he's been on the pitch. He looks useful to me. Absolutely. I agree with that too. Um, first game he played, he was kind of lambs to the slaughter coming in after, what was it, 90 seconds, 120 seconds after Ross Barkley went off. And he was thrust into a game. He started off centrally, switched with Jack, ended up on the left, ended up on the right. And literally, he just, realistically, he just came forth across the field and not even back in that game. And I think it was, I'm not going to say a culture shock to him, but I think the, you could kind of sense the, um, you could sense almost a, 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 a kind of a disorganization from him in his own mind. He's, I, I think people see the left foot. I think a lot of times people see We lost now. I think he's gone. Yeah, we've lost him. You might have to take over, Omar. He was telling you me. Can, he, he if you can pick up wrong where he's left off, that'd be helpful. <laughs> he was telling me the other day because he's got some new houses being built opposite him. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, his internet keeps going, so maybe it's because of that. Uh, the only thing I was going to say about um, what Troy was that um, 
you know, I, th- I agree with you completely in that. I think he's been, he's been fine. Like he's been good. Um, you know, he's not been great. Don't get me wrong, but his first, first few games for Aston Villa in a completely new team in a new position, new way of playing new players, you know, it can't, like Barkley is different because Barkley knows Grealish and he's played in the Premier League for a long time, plays in that position. Um, so, you know, he's used to playing in the Premier League as well. Whereas Troy, yes, you know, he started off at Chelsea and he's, he's, you know, he's got a good grasp of English and all that kind of stuff in the culture. But actually coming to a new team and new surroundings is difficult. So it's not surprising. I always said, and I think you also said the same thing, that it's going to take players like Troy and, you know, it's like you use the example of Trezeguet and Louise last season, you yeah. know. You know, it's a perfect example of, you know, why you need to give these types of players time. Um, you know, and he might he might not have a good game next game. You know, he might he might not. You just gotta you just gotta be patient with them. The fact that you know you've seen what they can do in the last couple of games in terms of their overall play, you know they've got the ability. Just be patient with them, give them time, and support them. End of the day, that's what we're there for. The only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Jack Grealish. Again, we uh, we keep saying this, but we just we take him for granted, don't we? Um, and and oh, what, I don't. What, yeah. No what, what, what are your thoughts of him playing sort of the free role now and how, how he's played in the last couple of games? Do you, do you prefer him on the left or do you think he's actually, you know, do you think he's, there's a bit of uh, merit playing him in that, in that free role now going forward? I mean, I suppose when he plays on the left, there is an element of him having a free role anyway. I prefer him on the left personally now, which I would never have said a few years ago because there's a difference in playing on the left for Dean Smith than there is playing for Steve Bruce, for example. And I think you can get lost on the wing playing for Steve Bruce. I actually think he gets can get lost more playing as a number 10. I don't think he did tonight, but I think he can get pulled in too deep and he's not picking up the ball in areas where he's as dangerous as he could be, in my opinion. But maybe against teams like Burnley, against West Brom, when, when Ross is out, it's probably a no-brainer. I don't think I'd do it for every game. I mean, I don't think we'll see Ross now for the next game against Palace just because he can't play against Chelsea anyway because he's because of his loan agreement. So do you risk putting him in for one game? I think no. you, probably, you probably don't at this point now. You probably keep Jack there, let Ross recover properly and come in after after the Chelsea game. I don't mind him there, but my personal opinion is is that he's better on the left, which I, I don't know. Do you feel the same? No, I, I completely agree, actually. I, I was going to say the same thing. I think against the lesser teams, it's a bit like uh, the Connor situation, which, you know, again, I was quite... I mean, I wanted the same team, don't get me wrong, I was, but I was surprised that he didn't play. But I think against the lesser teams, Connor's the, the guy that you go to, and we did to last season. But I think the reason for that was because we have a lot of the, more of the ball. So you need to, those creative players in that final third. And I think, actually, this season, if Algarzi and Troy are going to carry on playing like the way they are, then against the lesser teams, definitely Grealish can play that free role because then he can do what he wants. We'll have a lot of the ball, especially with McGinn and Louis sitting. We will have a lot of the ball the way that we play. So you can afford to play in them. But against like likes of Chelsea and Spurs and Man United, who we've got coming up, then... Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. Um, it'd be, a bit, I mean, a bit bit harsh to drop out Garzio Torre looking at now, but then you know we've still got a couple of games before then, so who knows? But you know, he, a Grealish today. I read a stat. He created eight chances, goal scoring opportunities today, which is the most of any Premier League, uh, most of any Premier League player away away from home for the last five years, which is pretty Decent. pretty incredible, really, when you yeah, think about it. Not to be sniffed at, not to be sniffed at at all. I mean, I suppose the good thing from that as well, and the way we're talking is. There's actually some competition out wide because that's something we've, we've talked about in, in, in loads of shows. You'll have talked about it on your, on your own podcast. We've talked about it here on the Villa View loads of times. Lack of competition, team picks itself. Actually now, when Trezeguet comes back as well, there's a bit of competition out wide. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, let's not let's not be um, naive to think that, you know, that it's going to be good every game going forward now because... I think Troy and, and, and wingers generally, I think I think this is what people didn't realise last year, uh, is that wingers generally tend to be pretty 
uh, you know, sort of stop start in the way that they yeah. play. You know, they have good games, bad games. They're out games. Uh, actually, Young had it for us. I mean, yes, he was probably more consistent than any other winger than we've had apart from maybe Tony Daly. But even then, he'd have bad games where he was in and out of the game. Um, so it happens with wingers because just because natural, it's natural in terms of the way that where Villa are in the, you know, in sort of the ranking of the Premier Leagues in terms of probably being a mid-table side. There's going to be games where we're not going to get a lot of the ball, maybe, and a winger's not going to see a lot of the ball naturally. So you have to be patient with them. But you're right, there is competition there. I'd still be a little bit concerned about our forward options for the rest of the season, not just the wingers, but up front as well, because I don't know if you can rely on Davis being fit and whatnot, but I would still maybe look for maybe a winger or a, or a striker maybe in, in January. I think we just need that, especially if we're doing well and pushing up the table. I think we need we need to invest heavily in, that, in those areas. Maybe, I don't know, a player that can play both. I don't know, not really sure, but definitely up, for, up you know, definitely in those forward positions I would look at. Yeah, and... It's like knock a, new, knock a new signing. Neil's just suddenly magically reappeared into the in, into the conversation. We've, we've, we've picked, well, we've carried on talking about wingers and there's now competition for places, Neil, in the wide areas, which is something that, that we that we haven't had. Just what, what's your take on now when Trezor guy's back? There's genuine competition out wide. Yes, so firstly, apologies about that. VAR must have ruled by Tex and Bertie Trore to be a, a small bit <laughs> positive and they, they cut me off. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> You're back now. I'm back now. I'm back now. I can't even remember what the question was. Then, <laughs> have you ever got a treble twenty? That's what I want to know. Have, uh, oh, sorry. I, I, have I you placed the darts like that? I know. I, I just took them out of the board. Just so that would, some people wouldn't ask me about my professional. Um, <laughs> but with regards to transfers uh, and and the. I suppose the competition that's that's in the team at the moment it's fantastic to see. Uh, I like like our squad was tested against Burnley and we still were the aggressor in that game. Mm. Um, our squad is still to a great great degree degree tested now. It will be tested again against Crystal Palace with with regards to means being out. Now hopefully Kant will be back. I know it was an illness. It wasn't COVID related. Thankfully it was just a normal illness. So hopefully he will be back for that game. It would be nice to see a left and a right partnership there. Um having a bit of the, having that speed that Kanza brings uh, in there. But what we would do from a from a I suppose a transfer market point of view you would have to look at a striker, even with Wesley coming back. You would definitely have sure. to look at a striker. Um, you know, do do the do the club start looking for uh, maybe looking at people whose contracts are running down? I know, like this, like there's players there that, that you can find, like maybe Demary Gray from Leicester. You know, he I don't think he's done anything particularly wrong to to get dropped from Leicester team. Um, you've got and and I'm sure that Johan Lange is, is scouring the market and, and the continent for people. Um, and also, uh, you know, there's players. Who's to say we don't pull off another January signing for a small, diminutive, five foot nine Colombian from from River Plate by the name of Santos Barre? Who's to say oh, we don't do something like that? He seems Christ to be tearing it, tearing it up in the in in the South American League. It would be risky. It would be very, very risky. But uh, the last guy that we signed took a bit of time to bet in. But hopefully, we've learned some lessons from that. But uh, who we actually sign, I don't know. I think, but I think the positions will definitely be. Um, you will be looking at a striker, potentially a left back, and 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 maybe they look for look to bring someone in in midfield so that we don't feel the the loss of a Ross Barkley too much uh, should it happen again in the future. But uh, it's exciting. Look, we're the first time we're looking we're looking to plow on from a position of strength now. 
yeah. you know, uh, as opposed to looking to plug gaps, we're looking to plow on from a position of strength. And God, the last time I can remember Aston Villa doing this in, in the January was like a uh, January window was was under uh, Martin O'Neill. And before that was probably under John Gregory when we were close to the top of the table when we signed Dion Dublin, you know, and 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 Paul Merson that, that offseason. And it doesn't happen for that often whereby we have... Uh, we're looking upwards, I suppose, at Christmas, and 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 we're in a good spot. And and I will be. It could be one of the, the first time in ages. I might take transfer deadline day off in January to see if we bring in any any, any signings and sit there and watch Jim White for the day. Who knows? No, don't do that. You'll get the same. The lights are on. Simon, <laughs> yeah, Simon yeah, Dawkins yeah, number yeah. two will appear. You don't want that, mate. Yeah. I don't want that disappointment <laughs> again. No, yeah. Talking about Martin O'Neill January is what we wouldn't do for another no. Wayne Routledge coming through the door in a, oh, in a, in no, a January no. transfer. He never used to like January, did he? No. O'Neill, it was always a strange time as a Villa fan. I suppose we got Heskey in the one January, but that'll probably be 50% of the people that thought that was okay and 50% that didn't. You talk about being in the position of strength, O'Neill, and Omar, I just wanted to say it to you now, anyone we buy... They probably don't need to hit the ground running. If we buy a striker, it's not like the case of Samata last year where he had to come in and we needed him to be brilliant yeah. straight away. Anyone that comes in, Omar, we, they don't, they've got time to bed in because we've got the goal scorer now. Yeah, and, and also we're a more attractive proposition. You know, we probably couldn't sign the players that we wanted like Giroud last year because, you know, why would you come to Aston Villa? We look like on the, on our way out, really, let's be honest. And I think now we look, you know, we win our, I know it's ifs and buts, but, you know, we're, we win our two games in hand. I know one of them is against Man City, but you you know never know. But you know we'd be second if we win both those games. No, that's a big if, obviously. I know, but yeah. it shows you the trajectory that we're going on. Even if we win our one of the games in hand, you know we'll be fifth. So shows you the position we're in. You know Tottenham are fifth with with you know, I think twenty five points or whatever. Um, so you know they're they're being talked about as title challengers still, even though they lost against Leicester City. So shows you the position we're in, how well we're doing, and, and hopefully we're in an attractive proposition. I think January, though, as we all know, it's just a difficult, difficult month. Uh, you know, I've seen personally players uh, been involved in moves through work and how they've gone to the wire and how they haven't worked out and the stress it puts on them. You know, so, like, literally, like, imagine on the on on the 31st of January, someone being telling you know someone telling you you need to move to you're living in London, you need to leave you know you need to live in Hull or something like that yeah. for the for the rest for the next year or two years or three years you know and make a decision within the next hour you know no, no yeah. one in their right mind you normally would do that and that's why January windows never work because most players when they get the opportunity won't make that decision because they've still got time on their contract or whatever you know they've got time they'll wait till the summer so I think we'll probably we'll probably want to make a move but it'll probably be from abroad I imagine. Um, because I think within the Premier League window, it'd be difficult. And I'd be looking for our, our better signings and our top signings probably in the summer, but just maybe looking yeah. for some, some, maybe some help up in the forward positions. I think you mentioned before, maybe some Premier League experience would work. But I'd be looking at someone like Lookman, I think, maybe in, in summer, someone like that. I think he's a fantastic player. He can play both wings. He's only on loan at Fulham, I think. Uh, yeah, and, and I know we missed that penalty and everyone's slating for him, but I think he's been their best player this season and he looks he looks a different level compared to any other, anyone else on that pitch. But so there's plenty of players out there. You know, maybe Rashika will <laughs> be be back on the radar. Who knows? Hopefully not. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's good being a Villa fan. And I mean, just quickly on West Brom as well, I think if I was a West Brom fan, I'd be really worried because I don't think they've got a plan at all because... You know, they had the previous CEO there, Mark Jenkins, who I've actually met a few times. Really nice guy, really knowledgeable, knows his football, really highly respected. As soon as he retired and they appointed some random, you know, friend of the owner or whatever it was, you know, I knew they were in trouble. And and I think, you know, they, they built a team 
to play a certain way and they've they've brought in Allardyce who completely does not fit the way that they play um it's just it just I just can't see it working for them I I know Allardyce has this amazing record and what have you but I just can't I don't think their their team is made made for someone like Allardyce I don't think they play nah. like, players like Pereira and Dean Garner and, and players like that even Carlin Grant you know he's yes he works hard and he's sort of like a poor man's Ollie Watkins in 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 one way but I, yeah I can't see them doing well this season at all no, they'll be coming straight back where, where they came from. To be fair, I think this is going to be the first time Allardyce comes a cropper. To, to be honest, I think it's too big a task. They're, they're too ordinary. There's, there's, there's nothing there, really, and they'll, they'll be going straight back down. And whether you like the derbies or you, or you don't, I think we can all agree he's great beating all the Midlands teams. Neil, I just want to get your, your take on that because I've never really... The West Brom and Wolves rivalries, they don't bother me. The, the Blues rivalry does because they are our rivals. But because of the way they are, these are the Midlands teams, when we do beat them now, I do get a level of satisfaction that I, that I never used to get just because of the times when we were in the championship and like West Brom might have been in the Premier League for a spell yeah. and they suddenly think that they're the bigger club and, and all that jazz. And let's face it, Villa could be playing in the conference and they'll always be the biggest team in the West Midlands. Nothing will ever change that. But what, how does it feel to, to beat them? Do you get the kind of sly joy that I now get? I do, yeah. And, and like uh, myself and Paddy have spoken on our podcast as well before that uh, it's it's a lot easier for us over here that, you know, we can talk about being a derby game and 90% of the people here will actually have to ask if West Brom is a derby game for Villa, you know, because you, UK geography may, may, may not be the strongest point of view or whatever, but... Uh, for you guys, it must be really difficult because you have to go into work and you know, there'll be Baggies fans there, there'll be Wolves fans there that's and so on. There's, and, uh, there's no West Brom fans where I work. <laughs> None. There's quite a famous Baggies pub, though, in London. I've seen it in, in Angel, I think, or Islington. I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah We're, weirdly. I've never been. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like... Derby's a derby's, and I think I think a lot of it is uh, just a, like you could throw a blanket over the over the four clubs. I suppose realistically speaking, from a geographical point of view, and 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 uh, you know, it's it's always the case of of the big brother that the the younger brothers are always going to have a punch and a shot at him, and that's not me having a go at the at, the, at West Brom or, or Birmingham or, or Wolves. I'd, go on, have a go, have a go, go on. It, it kind of is. It's a thinly veiled blow, but I don't want you know. I want to keep up this this thinly veiled kind of uh, aspect of me being the nice guy on the podcast. That's what I want. To <laughs> I joke. Oh, but... I wasn't aware you were the nice guy. On the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I was. <laughs> But no, it's like the 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 when you look at it, when you look at the relative um, areas of success and so on, it's it's not even a contest, and it's not being it's it's not being having a superiority complex or anything like that. It's just literally you look down through the years, the most historically historically the best team, and the team that gets the most fan, gets the most fans through the turnstiles, and the team that's had uh, spent the most most years in the Premier League. They're the team that you're going to want to shoot, you know, you want to try and shoot down, and and when you have relative success over them, you know, you're going to appreciate it more uh, you know the old joke of when, when Birmingham were in the Premier League of BD coming out for you know you beat Naston Villa you know because that's going to be the biggest selling thing in your club shop at Christmas time that that does happen and I suppose uh, it's nice to, it's nice to keep keep the, the, the insurgency down because um, you know Villa are there to be hit at we're a big club we've got huge potential and, and no matter what Fans of uh, of West Brom or, or Wolves or, or or Birmingham say it's it's not going to change the fact that that's just the way it is, you know. And that's not being cocky, confident, or petulant or whatever you want to call it. It's literally just facts with our eyes and ears. We can see it, and you can hear it, and that's the way it is. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, 
Omar, two big wins away from home in, in the last eight days, and a lot of people are asking this in the comments and in, and in the live chat. The away form is exceptional. It, it's outstanding. But what, why isn't it replicated at home? I, I honestly can't put my finger on it, so I'm not expecting you to, but have you got any thoughts? Um, well, I think, I mean, definitely I think we're more suited to being a counter-attacking team. That's not to say today was a counter-attacking performance because it wasn't, no. but I think generally that's why we've done so well. Um, you know, we got what, 11 points last season away from home and we've got 15 already this season. Mm. So again, massive difference. But I just think the likes of Watkins uh, coming into the team is a massive help. Plus, we just know how to defend now. We know how to be resolute at the back. We know how to have the right shape about us. I think playing two-man midfield in away games has helped massively as well. Um, yeah. And we just look more in control, really, in most games. You know, Leicester, Leicester game being a case in point in terms of how that game went. I think at home, I don't, I don't really get it, to be honest, because, you know, we beat Sheffield United at home. We beat Liverpool. You're thinking, you know, it's going to be a fortress. Villa fans are not there. Some games they're helpful. Some games they're not. But then if you look at the games, and you know, game by game, Leeds game was the only game, really, where we got absolutely, you know, we deserved to lose. Now, every yeah. other game, we were in it. We should have won and maybe got a draw. Brighton game, we should have got, at least got a draw. Southampton game, we should have got a draw. It was just like, you know, they had three, four attempts of goal and they scored every single one. And even then, second half, we had more than enough chances to, to make it 4-4, four, 5-4 four, four maybe. And then again, Burnley game, we should have won. So, I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's, um, I think it's a bit of luck, really, to be honest. I think the bit of luck that we've had in the Liverpool game and maybe a couple of times away uh, away from home, I mean, Leicester game in particular, maybe just evening itself out a little bit. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see when we play the bigger teams at home. I'll be interested to see how, how we do against them. Because obviously, we last year, we didn't do well against the bigger teams. We have done this season. You know, will we see an away type performance at home because there's no fans there? You know, there's no yeah. there's no onus on us to take it to take it to the team. Um, so maybe maybe our home form will pick up when we play the bigger teams. I don't know. Um, I think it's just one of those things where it's. I, I mean, I hate saying it's one of those things or it's one of those days because we've said it so many times this season. But it needs to pick up regardless. You know, we we need to start scoring. In the Burnley game is is should have been three points, and we can't have other games like that. If, you know, if we if we end up losing or drawing the Palace game and and we're on top like Burnley, then you know it'll be it'll sort of uh, put a dampener on what we've done in the last few games. I think so. I mean, as long as we keep winning away, then who cares? But you know, I think we we do need to start scoring goals at home, and and I, and I, I can't really say what it is to be honest. I wish I knew, but I think Dean Smith is pretty comfortable with the way that we're playing. And that's the main thing. He looks for performances more than anything else. And if the performances are there, then he thinks you know, the results will come naturally. So, you know, we'll wait yeah. and see. Yeah, I mean, there were many times this time last year where the performance wasn't there at all. Just want to finish and single out a couple of players. So I'm going to give you one player out. So, Neil, your Matt Target, just the improvement in the guy. It's just been phenomenal, hasn't it? It seems to be catching football came back, really. He's been brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. He's been really good. You can, you can see this. Yeah, you just see it's night and day from him. Like, we look back at the Adama Traore game that he had in and around this time last year for against Wolves, and uh, he went off injured. And uh, I think, if I'm not, not mistaken, the game afterwards, he got a bang in the stomach, and he started getting sick in the field as well, and he went off injured in that game. People were questioning, maybe, did he have the mental toughness and the actual uh, the, the stomach for the fight? But Matt Target has been fantastic. Like you, you look at any heat map, you look at any at, at any uh, any chalkboard kind of um, statistical analysis of him. We attack mostly down our left wing, and the reason being is because Jack is comfortable with Matt Target, and Matt Target is equally as comfortable in defence this year as well. Yeah, uh, 
week on week, week on week, he's got he's got he's up there with the most amount of touches in the team, and uh, you know he's been a fantastic success story with this with with, with the team so far, and and long may it continue because uh, you know that back four is very very solid, and even though we're rotating players in and out at the moment because of injury and absence, um, you know. The one constant in there is Matty Target, and he's put he's you know he's he's bringing in a seven and a half every game, and and look that's what you need from your from your fullbacks. And for you, Omar, my humble pie player this time last year, absolutely not having him, didn't get what he was, couldn't couldn't ever see him being a defensive midfielder in the Premier League. But now, I can't imagine a Villa team without Douglas Louise in it because he's so so important. I was really hoping you were going to say him. <laughs> Honestly, well, I was because he's fast becoming my favourite player. Um, he's so good. He is so good at what he does. And he's not naturally a defensive midfielder, I don't think. You know, he's naturally, he's probably naturally a number eight more than anything else. And that's where he's tended to play for Brazil. But, you know, there's, you can tell when you watch Premier League football who's going to be good, who's not. And I think with Douglas Luiz, I think, you know, I could see what you were saying last season. Not that I agreed with it, but I think plenty didn't. But, I, you know, he wasn't, he was, there was times where he wasn't at the races, don't get me wrong. But you can see in terms of the way that a player plays, you you can see whether they've got the ability or not. And it's things like, you know, a, a ball, an awkward ball landing to them or them challenging for the ball, how they, how they come out of that challenge, what they do with it. You know, and I think the fact that he can, you know, there's so many times where, is a ball going in and, in and around our area and he won't just try and clear it. He'll chest it, play it off, find a pass, you know, and that, that's the, that's the difference between a good Premier League player and a great Premier League player. Uh, and you see it with defenders, especially where, you know, they don't just clear it, they find a man. And I think that's what Douglas Luiz does so well. And the Camber, you know, he played well, well, he played okay against Burnley last, last, last time out. But I think you saw the difference today where Douglas Luiz comes in the team. You know, he, he starts all our plays. He's so important to our team. He sets the tempo. He wins balls. He's strong. He comes, he comes away from challenges with the ball and finds players. He plays good balls forward. He doesn't always look for the, for the sideways pass. He looks for, you know, aggressive balls. Uh, and I think he's got a good relationship with the likes of Jack and other players where that, and you see this all the time, you know, players know, and I think this is where, you know, Jack comes into his own. They know they can drill a ball into someone like Jack or even Watkins and, and they will keep the ball. Uh, and that means we can get further up, further up the pitch. And I think that's what Douglas Luiz does so well. You know, he's, he's got all round games improved massively. And I think the defensive game as well, which wasn't there at times last season, you know, he's got stronger and quicker. I think, which is so important. A bit like Jack's done over the last few years. I think that's been such a massive improvement. Same with Trezeguet and players like that as well. I think it's so important to have that part of your game in the Premier League um, because you're going to come across so many physical players who, who all-round game is good, but also got the physical attributes. And I think at that time, last season, that was missing. I think the fact he's got that now, he's there's not many Premier League defensive midfielders who are as good as him, really, uh, in the Premier League. Ooh. And also good, good, have an all-round game as good as him as well in the Premier League. Hopefully, hopefully, you know what I'm going to say next. That means well, that he's. <laughs> we see what happens in the summer. You know, we see what happens in the summer. But you know, enjoying what you can. At least we'll, if he does go, we'll get some money for him. So it's not, it's not all bad. But I mean, let's hope, let's hope and praise because I think he's so important to our team that you know we are building the team around him and like him, yeah. Jack and players like that. You know, that's what our team's built around. Without them, I think we we struggle. Yeah, to defend myself a little, his defensive game he was. I could always say he was a good footballer, but he was the, playing him as the defensive midfielder. I felt we were too weak defensively. I think I felt opposition could plough through him too easily. I felt I think it was the Norwich game on Boxing Day that Norwich, who were bottom of the league at the time, just ploughed through him like he wasn't even there, and I, and I wasn't having that at all. But coming back after lockdown, the defensive side of his game now, like you say, he's got such a good all-round game. But defensively, he's so so important now as well. And Nakamba was fine on Thursday. Nothing wrong with how Nakamba played. 
but he isn't Douglas Luiz. And, and I watch Man City and I watch Rodri Fernandinho coming towards the end of his career, and it, it's a little bit worrying because I think mm. I think he's better than what they have in that number six yeah. role now, and that, and that is a concern. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully. We can get him tied down to a new contract and completely knock that buyback thing on the head because he could be a very important player for Villa for, for a number and number of years. And let's face it, Villa haven't had a Brazil central midfielder probably ever. So it'd be nice to hang on to him. I think that just about does all that's left to say is that if you do go on the Purity website and you want to get yourself some of the lovely Villa kegs, Villa beer or Villa glasses or anything Purity based, to be fair, then make sure you are using the code hashtag Villa view and that will get you 10% off. I'm going to go with it. You probably won't get it before Christmas now uh, at this stage, but yeah, do it and you'll get it for the new year. It'll be a nice present. So thanks to Omar and thanks to Neil for coming on. Make sure you're checking out their podcasts as well. You got any coming up, guys? Uh, yeah. Um, well, Neil, you, you can go first. Cause I've, I've actually, we've all been involved in your, your next one, haven't we? So I'll let you go <laughs> first. Yeah, I've got a bit of a Christmas special coming out on the 23rd uh, where... Um, Try and talk. I've basically, I, I, I've asked count of the amount of people I've talked to at the moment, and I'm trying to splice it together at the moment. But it's real fun, and uh, it's just a real kind of nostalgic uh, uh, episode. And 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 I'm I'm actually really looking forward to because I've really looked forward to. I've I've really enjoyed talking to everybody about uh, about their Christmas memories as part of the Villa. So check that out when it comes out on the twenty third. Thanks, Omar. You haven't got anything, have you? <laughs> no, nothing, mate. No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> No, we've, uh, yes, we have managed to get a bit of a coop. We have um, an interview with Dwight York uh, coming up, which should be out. Well, basically, I've I've never done any video editing. I've said it before, we don't do videos. So I've been trying to learn Final Cut Pro uh, this last few days. So I've managed to get my head around it. So hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday, it'll be out. A bit of an early Christmas present for, for all the Villa fans. Someone who hasn't really been on any sort of interviews or anything like that for, for a long time. So it should be a really interesting conversation, but it was a really, we talked to him last week and it was a really good conversation mm. and we talked about everything as, mo- as much as we could. Uh, very positive interview. Uh, and I think people will love it. So watch out for that. It'll be on YouTube. It'll also be on our audio, all the audio platforms as well. But yeah, watch out for that. That, sh- that should be a really good one. Good stuff. I'll make sure that I de- definitely watch that one. I used to love Dwight York as a kid. First time I was ever upset about a player leaving, I think, was when was when Dwight York yeah, left. That same. was kind of a yeah. that was what got you used to players leaving after Dwight. He was the first one, yeah. wasn't he? But then there was kind of kind of one every summer for the rest of your life yeah. that, that decided to leave after Dwight York. So yeah, so go check out the guys podcast as well and go back and look at some of our stuff as well. We did a mental health special a month or so ago, so there's still obviously some relevant information in there, especially with what's going on in the world at the moment and not being able to see your friends and family tier four and all that shite then go and check out that mental health podcast because i think you know obviously could be really helpful and we did one with gabby a few weeks ago as well he's always good value so go back and check that out as well because he's as i say always good value although he is on everything nowadays but yeah watching with darling and myself because it is an enjoyable listen and watch so have a good Christmas. There will be a Luke Live Lounge show at some point. I'm not sure when, but we'll get that all up on our social media and let you know when that's coming up. So look out for that. Have a great Christmas as good as you can. Hopefully some of you will be able to see your, your friends and family as, as best you can. And yeah, enjoy it. And we'll be back after Boxing Day. Probably not on Boxing Day. We'll probably do on the day after, but there will be a post-match point in the days after Palace as well. So stay safe, stay safe, stay safe, stay healthy and up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.